All right, everyone. I'm Casey Curry, and this is my absolute first podcast learning. This is uh, all, all an experiment, but I wanted to try something new and give the world something that I feel has never been done. Uh, we are going to do pre-race, pre-event, basically notifications. I want to give everybody the, uh, the no-no on where, where to be, what to do. So right now, I'm with my friend, Bud, who works with SCORE. He does a lot of media. He, he actually does a lot for SCORE and for the whole sport. Um, so I have Bud here with me right now. We're sitting in my living room in Baja, and we're getting ready for the 500. I wanted Bud to kind of give us a lowdown of everything going on with the 500, uh, from contingency to the race, uh, to where to go watch on the racetrack, where it's, where it's safe, where it's not safe, and then maybe we're going to uh, get some lowdown on Facebook, Twitter, and, and everywhere you can watch the race. Thanks so, for having me, Casey. I'm really excited to be your first. <laughs> really important for me to be your first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's good, Bud. Absolutely. So it was good racing. You and I raced together in 2010, right? It was our first year? Yes. We raced the Baja 1000. Second place. Yeah, I'll tell you that. So my <laughs> big apology to, to Casey was, is uh, Casey handed the car to me in the lead, and we had a lead by at least an hour. I have raced down here for seven or eight years, and I've never been stuck once, and I was very proud to tell people during pre-run that I never got stuck, and they're a bunch of pussies if they get stuck. And I hit a silt bed and got stuck for two hours, lost the lead, and then I sp- got us out after we were buried for three hours my co-driver was an idiot and we got it and then i spent the next two hours trying to catch the lead and we never caught him we took second place i hate it i saw the the trophies (laughs) hanging on your wall and there's one on my wall second place and i i wanted Uh, to commit suicide it was terrible still a good time though uh bfg uh definitely did us right back then we uh we had a great time in the wide open cars and uh that was that was a lot of fun great experience we got to meet a lot of cool people with uh with that going on yeah, and you won the th- you won the thousand uh, last year, right? I did. So we won the Baja one thousand. Uh, we had a great run. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Peninsula run is very different. Uh, being a, a team owner now and a, and a driver, it, there's a lot of logistics to go down this peninsula, and to have a to have twenty guys or thirty guys driving through the night to get down to you know La Paz is it's a crazy crazy night of racing because you're not only racing the race, but there's there's hundreds of other people on the roads and there's semis going the other way and the roads are getting narrower and there's just a lot going on all through the night and your guys are tired. So it, it, it's an incredible feat to, uh, to be able to finish, let alone win the Baja. Well, you won the 50th anniversary of the Baja 1000. All right. And this is the 50th anniversary of running the Baja 500 and you're entered in a class and you're probably going to win this one too. So you'll, you'll win both 50th anniversaries. That is the goal. So the goal is to come down here and try to win. I mean, th- this is obviously the big one. We've, uh, been around the sport since I was born and, and to sit there and have a chance at winning, you know, the 50th is what we want to do. And, you know, it, it, I feel it is a big one. There's a lot of entries here. There's a lot of people down here and I think the sport's healthier than it's ever been. So it, it's exciting to come down here and be a part of it. Do we tell the story of how you won the Baja 1000 because of me? Or <laughs> do we leave that out? Yeah. Well, you know, we leave that out. There's a lot of, uh, politics always gets involved, right? Cause I'm, I'm a complicated guy and I do way too much stuff and, uh, we'll leave that out. We had, we had a great time, but helped me make a, a good decision, uh, on the phone and, and through lots of emails and, uh, it, it worked out great, but we're, Casey's uh, always hustling. He's always <laughs> hustling. He's trying to do something, trying to, trying to, you know, better a position. He's a true, true competitor. So no, it was good, but now, so let, let's get on the 500. I, I want to know right now it's Thursday. People are coming down or want to come down to watch the Ball 500. If you're coming down from California, from anywhere in the world, where do, where do they go? What do they see? I mean, what, what can they do to watch and capture the Ball 500? 
Well, we have two days of contingency for the first time because we have so many competitors. We're at uh, 320, about 325 competitors that are signed up. It's not the most we've had. Um, 2007, I think we had 425 competitors, just a shitload. We have 325 competitors. Um, we opened up one more, an early day of contingency for the people who want to get through, get one more day of pre-running, get some rest. But tomorrow, the carnival really starts, and carnival is kind of the the term I use because like Brazil, there's 150,000 people downtown in Sonata. We shut down the streets. They shut down the schools. Um, we have extended, if you've seen it, we extended contingency row another mile past the Marina Hotel. So the Marina Hotel used to be the cutoff. Now yeah, it's yeah. another mile. We have more vendors, longer stretch all the way down. <clears throat> so you come down to Ensenada. We're about 45 minutes south of the border. Um, you know, you see 150,000 people get to touch all the drivers, hang out with all the drivers, be in contingency row, see all the vendors. It's just a big, big street party for 10 hours on contingency day. And yeah. The cool part about that is like what for us as a driver, I mean, there is a lot of companies that come down here, but this is definitely one of the only events, this and the thousand that you come down and when they're saying 150,000 people, it legitimately is 150,000 people swarming your car all day long so as a fan or anybody that wants to come down and actually see it 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 truly is a, um, the only time you can walk up and actually look and touch and and see every single trophy truck motorcycle quad everything going down is actually all there and it's out in the open there's no there's no hiding and there's no uh there's no one not there i mean every driver comes out everybody comes and checks everything out as well it's really a way, like like you said, it, it's really a way for our sponsors to get you know up and close. And they see people. It's people from the states, people from Mexico, people from Arizona. It's just they're for really from everywhere, and they get near, they get to see it, they get to touch it. You hand out stickers. You know, guys like you who are who really work with our sponsors. Their sponsors want you there. They want to have that team exposure um, when they're on contingency. So contingency is a good place. And at the end of contingency is tech, and you have to be teched anyhow. Yeah, and we do that. We do that. You know, on purpose. Now, the good news about contingency this year, and we've done a lot, but we really stepped up our game in live streaming. We're live streaming ten hours, probably ten or twelve hours on on uh, on Facebook Live on our our uh, scoreinternational.com website and our Facebook app. And you can go it. And the other good thing is, <clears throat> Monster now is taking our live stream, and so is BF Goodrich are taking a live stream, and they're streaming it with us. So we'll have 26, 27 million people able to watch it. I'm not saying they're all going to watch it, but you know, we our analytics are pretty high. Is how many people tune so you, in? There is an app, so if everyone downloads the app. Well, the Score app is really interesting because you can do two things on the Score app. You just go to go to the App Store, click on the Score app. You get live tracking. You can track the racers. All you got to do is type in Casey's number, 4422, and you'll be able to track him all the way around the Baja Peninsula, find out where he's at, get race updates, speed, if he's moving, what race mile he's at, um, if he's broke down or if he's stuck or which he doesn't get stuck in that <laughs> thing. I don't, that thing will never get stuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Facebook, our, our, our score app does that. And you can also click on tracking. <clears throat> you got tracking, then you can watch the streaming and our streaming is going to be kind of, you know, all on contingency and on race day. So we'll have a lot of 36 hours of streaming. That's awesome. And then as far as the, uh, so now do you guys do anything on Twitter or on Instagram throughout the day or is it mostly directed to Facebook live? Yeah. Facebook live is our streaming uh, platform. And then on Twitter and Facebook or Twitter and uh, Instagram, we have, we have social media people that are posting stuff all day long, awesome. uh, but really no short videos. I mean, we, Roger's really Roger Norman, our owner is really, you know, tech heavy in his brain. And we've been at this live streaming and I say live streaming it's a little bit different because we have five drone teams with satellites that are out on the course all throughout the course and they're up there and they're, they're putting a drone up and we have a repeater on it and a pterodactyl on it that goes down to a satellite satellite goes to our 
rig in San Diego, which sends us a signal at our rig down here, and we switch it live. Oh, so it's not just live stream at the start and finish line. Oh no, yeah, we have five cameras on the on the race course all throughout the 500 miles. Oh, so okay, so everyone at home can watch actually racing going on during yeah. the day, not just start and finish. Okay, that's. Yep. That's something new. That's awesome. Yeah, all all race long. But we did a little bit last year. We had a really good uh, thing last year. We had, you know the first time. You should see the shot from last year. It's online. But you, you, we we're up real, really high, and it's almost dusk, and you see headlights coming through the wash. You don't know which truck it is. Could be Rob. Could be a Dolly. Could be Andy. And there's just lights hauling ass through the wash. And it, you know you turn the corner, and you saw it was Andy's truck. But we live because usually all you do is just see that one corner. Yes. You see the corner. That's, that's they slide of, around the corner. Absolutely. And that's all you ever see. So, um, but we have we pick them up really far outside of town. That's awesome. And then as far as the event goes, I mean, it's start day. I mean, the, everything's starting earlier. So bikes are at three in the morning. Yeah, you know, our our big push lately um, is really safety for the bikes. Um, we actually doing a couple things this year. We, we 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 meet more on safety than anything else. Safety and media. If any improvements in score, we still want to keep the kind of the the old world, no hold barred craziness of the race and the old wild, wild west part of it. But really, bike safety and, you know, rider safety is very important in our media push. So we start bikes at 3.30 in the morning. We want to give them a five-hour lead. Should it be five-hour lead? Um, so that gives the bikes enough times before you and the rest of the crazy yeah. trophy truck drivers try to, you know, run, run them down in the middle of the silt beds. Um, the other thing we're doing, which is really important for the sportsman class, and they may not like this, but um, we give the sports, anything running the sports, and we give them a cutoff. Um, we'll give them probably a 60-mile cutoff where they have to take this cutoff. Slower classes, anything in the sportsman classes in class 11 get cut off because we've been, we've been kind of doing the research that most of the people who get caught by trophy trucks are the sportsman class, and we want them to finish. We want them to fulfill their dream or their bucket list or whatever it is but we just don't want them to get hurt. So we'll try to give as much chance as we can to get out front. I think it's a great, I, I read about that actually on one of your press releases. I think it's a great idea. Like are you talking right at mics. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I mean, it, for, for anyone, I, I totally agree that. And especially what they're going through with the San Felipe and Brigham. I mean, it's, it's rough down there. So oh, it's really it, rough. I mean, for, for a guy that wants to go and try to get that finisher pen, I think, I think what you're doing is only helping. And I think those miles, if you're already tired and far behind, like those miles are the, you know, the miles that somebody could get hurt at. So I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that. The funny one. part is the class 11 guys are such gladiators and such studs. They fight on us. They'll protest and they call us names. The class 11 is like, no, 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 we're going to do the same course. Like, no asshole, you're not doing the same course. <laughs> uh, we're not staying open another four days while you get your, your 67 VW around there. You're going to yeah. take the shortcut. Like, like we want you to because it's really like time and money and also yeah, it's absolutely there's a cutoff of 23 miles 23 hours is our cutoff so you don't want them out there for that long because they'll, they'll do it for 40 hours they don't care i mean yeah. it's just it's something to get like i'm gonna finish i'm gonna finish i'm gonna finish so if you give them that cutoff right there at mike's it, it's gonna save them two three hours oh easy i know and not only that though the car wear it's so rough down that san felipe section is just so torn up and the rocks are so aggressive on the on the whole car let alone the tires that it's you know, to to me, I feel that it'd be a, it'd be definitely a safer bet to do that. So, and as far as spectating, I mean, where where do you see? Is there any places that you'd, they'd rather have not people, or rather not have people go, or would you, if you were to come down from anywhere in the world and never been to the five hundred, where I mean, as score, would you say there's better places to go watch than others? Listen, I think there's you know there's a there's a little bit of. I think you have to be intelligent when you're spectating a race like this. Um, and it's also has to do get it. If you get high, get, get a hundred feet, 200 feet off the course or get to a high vantage point where you can see them coming and going. I, I don't, I, you know, 
I don't have it in me where I have to be two feet from a vehicle going 100 miles an hour and watch it go by me. I'd rather get on a high vantage point, be out of danger, and kind of watch the whole race as it, as it transpires. Um, we've been working really hard, and it, it's hard. With a 542-mile race, it's hard to police the whole thing and keep people yeah. off the course. Um, the Mexican fans are amazing, and they're very passionate about our sport. But for some reason, they want it. And they do it in Europe, too. They, they do it every yeah, rally yeah. cross. Yeah, they yeah, do all yeah absolutely. Everybody thinks it's really cool to be about you know two and a half feet away from the course as the guys go by you until the truck gets out of control or hit a bump and it really scares us racers when we're racing through a crowd of people i check up i don't want to hit anybody it you know it scares the shit out of me that i'm going to hit somebody and they're taking pictures and they're laying down on the course on jumps and um we want people to spectate safely you know and i can't tell them enough just get to a high vantage point get 100 feet from the course you'll watch more and it's exciting and you know it's just stay off stay off the course yeah, so this year the the race is actually only really going on two highways. So we got Highway One and Highway Three. Uh, we never actually get to Highway Five as the uh, unless the. Well, I guess we do go to Highway Five if you're going to go try to catch the car, uh, like ten miles off the course or um, off the highway. But around that, basically, there's a lot of places that you can go within a half mile of Highway One or Highway Three, and see the car in, in a lot of areas. And the beach section to me is unreal. Like you know being able to go down in the Kamloo area and, and see the race cars and be at a nice town. I mean, is it, is the, I mean, as far as all these towns in Baja, is, is there any problems? I mean, just talking about it, is there, do you have any problems? Is there any threats or is there, I mean, do, for somebody that's coming down that doesn't know that's not scared, right? I come down here all the time and we have a great time. I bring my wife and I bring my, my boys down here and we've, we've brought them jeeping and I've, I've let them experience it and uh, we don't have problems, but I know that it's a huge thing that everyone's scared of Baja, right? There's people that are still scared that there's problems. I mean, do you feel that the town's pretty much open up to people coming down to Baja and have, I mean, no, the, the, you know, the people in Mexico are amazing. Any problems you have are north, north, you know, north of here in the border cities. And, and really, if you're involved in, in nefarious shit, you're going to you're gonna be in trouble. They've never bugged us racers. We don't have an issue with anybody. We, I mean, trust me, I get the calls. I get the call from everybody. People, if you... You know, if you're out doing stupid stuff and you're out in the bars late, you're going to get in trouble. And that has nothing to do with the people in Mexico. That's just you being a dumbass. Um, the people in the towns are really open. But you go south, anywhere south, they love the race. They don't want anything to happen this race. Roger's working really hard with the officials. We work with the Board of Tourism. We work with the government. They want us down here so much. Um, so, yeah, we've never had any issues. Um, you know, there was issues a long time ago, um, I guess, and people talk about Baja or, Baja or yeah. Mexico in general. Yep. Most of that's in Juarez, and all that has to do with the drug wars and stuff like that. It has nothing to I mean. They're all killing each other, but they're not hurting the racers. I mean, the racers are down here. We're down here to put on a race, do a good show, you know, treat the people really well. They need us down here. You know, SCORE and the races down here have the largest economical impact in the Baja Peninsula. There's 3 million people in the Baja Peninsula, and they live off this race. And the people down pre-running and the, and the tourism. I mean, the tourism's huge because it's the racing capital of Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and when you say that, actually, a question like uh, on the Ball Five Hundred. I mean, after the fiftieth anniversary, do you do you see Score trying to do something to one up the fiftieth anniversary? I mean, I know it will, it'll it'll only be the fifty first or the fifty second, but I mean, as far as the growth of the sport, I mean, obviously it's growing. We're getting a lot more trophy trucks and a lot more fast fast vehicles, and a lot of people spending a lot of money to come down here and participate in the race. But I mean, do you see Score doing anything different to? to try to do more or, or create more racing in different areas? I mean, is there anything new coming down the pipeline for the Ball 500? 
Well, enough of the Bile 500. We're always trying to improve the event, do bigger media, do bigger races. We are, you know, like we, like you just said, we had 42 trophy trucks in the in the San Felipe 250, which is insane amount of trophy yeah. trucks. We have 37 or 38 in this race, um, which is going to be big, and we're probably going to go over 50 in the Baja 500 in the Baja 1000. We'll have 50 trophy trucks there. So we're always Roger and I are always trying to build the media, build the exposure, do stuff that's bigger and better for it. Um, as far as other races, Roger and I are constantly trying to look for other places to bring in different types of racers right we're looking at other states looking at other countries there's other countries him and i visit all the time to try to figure out you know where we can take score yeah yeah i just don't know if you ever i mean is there ever opportunity of going to new places you know i'm not saying new place i'm just saying like new roads in baja i know it's you know another thing that people don't at home don't know about is that all the the rancher roads you know like when we come down here programming there's 40 or 50 locked gates you know when the earlier you come down there's all these gates that are locked and you know it's one of those situations that, you know, is there a chance of going on new roads and, and roads that basically we've never been on a race on rather than a road that's, you know, been well abused and driven on for, you know, thousands and thousands of well, miles. As you know, Jose G is our race director and he kind of plots the course. We've opened up new roads um, that haven't been raced on in 20, 30 years. And we always get a lot of pushback from, you know, some of the veterans like, oh, we stopped using that a long time ago. Well, good. It's time to do it. Because as you know, down here, the rains and the terrain, everything, they change, they, tr they change constantly. So, um, Jose G is always looking to make, you know, he's our race director. He's always looking to make new terrain, new courses, make them tougher, make them longer. Um, you know, next year, I think this year will be a loop race for the thousand. Um, yeah, this will be a loop race for the thousand. And I'm not sure if it'll be a thousand or it'll be 900 miles, but it'll incorporate probably some of the 500 um, course. But we're always looking for new places. For yeah, sure. yeah. That's awesome. That that's just one of those things that, like, as a racer, it's like, you know, you always look at these places that, man, some places we go to. You know, like this year, we're, uh, you know, up by Melling Ranch. There's uh, all kinds of new roads that are brand new to, to, it looks like, to anybody. I mean, the tractor's still sitting on the side of the road, and it, it's barely one blade wide and, and new. And, and to me, it's fun because, no, you know, now you're going to a place that not every team has the opportunity to go pre-run it 30 different times. So Did you pre-run? Yeah, I pre-run the whole thing. You did? What did you do at Race Mile uh, 435, that big mud hole? Uh, went around it. Uh, on the right or on the Left. rock side? The rock side? Yes. Okay, because I heard people were getting into the rocks and sinking. Oh yeah, no. Well, and it, yeah, being in UT, you know, being in the Can-Am and the UTV, it's uh, pre-running is not the most difficult thing to do because uh, they only they don't even weigh two thousand pounds. So we we really had no issues. Like we we never even got out of the cars once. We had, I mean, the only thing that we uh, we played in was the Melling Ranch area. It's just being that it's all new tight roads. Um, you know, it sounds like they're doing a bunch of yucca farming in there. Uh, there's just a lot going on. It's more far as multiple roads that don't connect you know like it seems like a lot of roads in Baja connect and that area being new they don't so you know we took our time in there and, and played and and just played around in that area but around that I mean the roads are did the course is fast I mean I think the beach section is gonna be really fast this year um I I think going backwards because we haven't ran it this way in a couple of years a lot of the whoops are rolled the other way so yep. the sharp edges are actually on the backside. It, I to me I think it's gonna make it a lot uh, nicer for, you know, the vehicles that don't have all the, the travel and the bigger tires. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun to pre-run. I've heard, I haven't been down here in two days and I heard that the course is getting chewed up and like it always does, there's a lot of pre-runners out there and I think everybody wants to be down in Baja. And that's another thing that, uh, I, I want to talk about was, is pre-running, you know, that's something that a lot of people can do. I know it, it's probably sacred a little bit, but you know, anyone that wants to come down and race in Baja, the opportunity to come down and drive a UTV or drive a pre-runner 
you anyone can come down to Baja and pre-run the race course. Right. Whether it's you know it's promoted or not, I, I I personally think that if you want to come down instead of just buying a race car and taking that chance of going out and seeing if you're like it or, or not going to like it, dude, come down here, bring a UTV, and just go and and drive the whole thing, see what it's all about, see how you get from pit to pit or from town to town to get gas, you know, in a pre-runner that can only go 80 miles or 150 miles, like that type of uh feeling of coming down here with you know your little group of people with one truck and one trailer and one utv or two utvs is like i think there's a lot of fun in that that people don't know they can do i mean anybody can come down here and pre-run these race courses yeah but pre-running is really a gateway drug i mean you can do <laughs> it it's a it, not everybody can race and we i actually prefer <clears throat> people come down and pre-run so they get the feel of it a little bit but it's still a gateway drug because then you think it's like this is cool. We got tacos and beer. We race like 80 miles. We get the shit beat out us a little bit and we're kind of running around. And like, and then you start thinking, you start saving money. I mean, that's how we all start. We all start by ordering on pre-running. And the next thing you know, you're dumping a shitload of money in a race car. <laughs> it's I'm living it 10 years, 10 years. <laughs> 10 I've been years doing this. I can't, part of it. I'm still stuck. I can't get away from it. I'm definitely addicted. So now I'm getting really addicted because my family members, my uncle just bought a brand new pre-runner and my dad's looking at, uh, he just raced a Nora and in my pre-runner. And uh, they all, everybody wants to come down now. Everybody's wanting to come down, and not just for the race. Now they want to come down for the, the week or two weeks before. So the 1,000 this year, like, I got my cousins wanting to come down. I got Obviously, my brother who races with me is going to be down here, and I got two uncles that are going to come down. It's like the whole ball thing is fun, and, and for me, it's, it's safe. And I want everyone to know that it's, it, it is safe. If you go down with the right people and play in the right areas – Baja is an epic journey, and I think that everyone needs to see it firsthand. And that's one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is talk about it in a way that, look, there's all these things that can happen by doing the wrong things, but by talking to the right people and understanding what's going on, there's so much opportunity for for an adventure that that's what I want is I want that everyone coming back and commenting on here and going on my social media and going on my Instagram, my Facebook and telling me that they had stories of them coming down and going to these different races and having a blast whether, and here's the deal. You could be in a, in a Cherokee driving down the beach camping and watching trophy trucks drive by, you know, this year on the beach at nighttime, right before sunset driving 120 miles an hour and, and not have to do anything and literally barbecue on the beach and be safe. I like that you guys are pre-running more in your UTVs too, because that'll that'll kind of help tear up, not tear up the course. Because you guys got your your million dollar pre-runners <laughs> just ripping the shit out of the course. The UTVs don't tear the crap out of the course. You still get the good experience. It's actually better. You're slower. You're kind of it's more visceral. Absolutely. There's no windshield. There's no air conditioning. You're kind of cruising along. I like the UTVs for pre-running, and they're also the, the the port of entry. They're not expensive. Yeah, they're, no, they're not absolutely. as expensive no. as a pre-runner. Oh no, and they're reliable. I mean, the best part about it, it's like driving an everyday car because you know the the engine and the transmission and all that stuff is stock. We haven't modified anything in a way that you know you're waiting for something to break like a souped-up car. You know, for us, we're driving a Can-Am that's it's bone stock. All we do is we'll reinforce some of the parts that you know suspension parts that are we're out there smashing on rocks. If it wasn't for that, I'd leave them completely stock. Because skid plate on them. Yeah, put a skid plate on it. And we put all the all the lower arms are just stronger. Do you have that, a little baby curry rear end in it? Right. No. No, I keep that stock. I mean, I have to work on it. I are, don't, you, are you engineering a baby yeah, curry rear end? No. For it? Too much work, man. Those, <laughs> pl- plug and play, man. Put the key in the ignition. Go and drive. It's a growing market. You right? got to get R and D guys to yeah, build a curry yeah, rear end for, for the right UTVs. now. Sway bars. We're working on sway bars right now. That's if we do sway bars, get the suspension to work a little better. That that to me, that's the stuff that we're working on. But yeah, I mean, so back to back to everything. So basically, if you're gonna watch it, you want to come down here and watch. Tech is Friday. There was Tech open today, but the big the parade starts tomorrow, yep. Friday, Saturday. 
is the race. It's a one-day race. It starts at 8 in the morning. It's the first trophy truck. And basically, the first car probably finished at, I think, what, 7 p.m.? No, first, like, nine and a half hours later, the first trophy truck come okay, in. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, about nine and a half hours later, the first guy's going to come in. So it'll, it'll be, like you said, 6, 7 o'clock before the guy, the, before, you know. Yeah. Well, who's going to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who's going to win? So the, have, I would, I, I'm, uh, I gotta be careful on what I say. Uh, I, I don't know. Right now, Andy Millen is fast. I did. I've, uh, been down here. It's actually funny. We've been down here pre-running and pre-running on very similar times. And he's got a very unique way of pre-running. And like, I feel that I've learned a lot just by watching what him and his dad do. They're, a, they're, they're a very great team. I don't know him personally. I don't hang out with them, but just watching the way they're pre-running, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, uh, I don't know. He's fast. Bryce isn't racing. Um, that's not what I know. That's not what I heard. Bryce? Yeah. Uh, no way. I don't think so. Well, we'll see. I mean, I mean, his truck's racing. That's for sure. His truck's racing. I just heard he's going to finish. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I, I heard he's going to finish. I know Cyril Dupree. So uh, yeah. for everybody, Bryce Menzies, uh, truck number seven, he races for Red Bull, and he uh, broke his back in some kind of stupid sand dune accident or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Bryce yeah. is always breaking something. I call him Happy Wheels. Like that, that little. <laughs> Poor guy. Can't catch a break. He's always breaking something. So, yeah. can't, can't catch a break. But, um, uh, so Cyril Dupree, who's a, a seven-time uh, Dakar champion and a five-time rally champion, um, Red Bull came down. They're fo- they have a whole camera crew following him. Everybody's following him. He's coming down. We'll see how he does in the truck. But I just talked to somebody that said Bryce might be finishing the race, which is completely stupid because he just got out of a back brace like three yeah, days ago. Yeah, but if he does a highway section, he'd be safe. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to do the same thing. So, But, yeah, I mean, I, at the same point, you know. But you even got, Bryce will find a way to jump the truck right? in some kind yeah, of way off the highway send it some way but yeah another guy that you know cameron dude he's finished second so many times it's, it, it would be fun to see him uh conquer it i, I cameron if cameron still win the whole town's gonna collapse it's gonna be amazing because everybody loves cameron he's the ambassador of our sport he's got he's took it second or third in every race like magically i don't know out of nowhere he's been <laughs> second or third seriously the past four or five races i mean the 250 he was within two minutes minute and a half of of rob yeah no he dude i think he's 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 done a phenomenal job of stepping up the game, that's for sure. So it's exciting to see. And that's another thing that, like, on your live tracking is watching these guys race all day. You know, with the live tracking now, it, it do you guys, does it actually, ju- you know, modify the time so it's actually real of who's in first place? Or does it go by basically who goes by the timing stand first? Yeah, no, it's not really a timing stand. So they, 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 they have a telemetry satellite and they'll, they'll ping and they have to update every once in a while. Sometimes you'll see them, like, they'll be. They'll do lead changes, and that's just because the guy in the back hasn't updated in four or five minutes, and you got to look at the update times. If it's a reel, they'll be on the same time. Like, last update was three minutes, last update was five minutes, and then that guy will be in the lead. But for the most part, the guys are tracking, especially in a shorter race like this. They'll track, um, you know, pretty consistent throughout the day. And it's really, it's all satellite. They just ping the satellite. It's every 10, 15 seconds they ping the satellite. Awesome. And you'll see them go through and you'll, you know, we'll be able to see their speed. We'll be able to see where they're tracking, who's coming in. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. Our tracking has improved. I mean, we went through Roger at one point, tried to write his own software and build his own tracking. And then we had double tracking. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, you know, one of the big improvements we have is Stella. Would you like the Stella in your car? Oh yeah. Yeah. When I went going over to Africa and racing like the, um, like the Dakar series, that 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 style unit is is very helpful. Like, and if you know how to use it and understand it, the the Stella deal can become very, uh, very beneficial. Like to me, I think that if other drivers paid attention, that if somebody's coming up behind them, that technically they got caught, they should pull over. If the thing is beeping, like there's so much 
capability of not getting damaged to your race car if you pay attention to the Stella. Yeah, and what we're talking about is we invented, we, uh, we not created, we, we really partnered with this group called Stella that has a tracker in their car, and it'll be able to tell you if there is a, uh, there's a, like an overtake button in the car, and if you're in front of somebody and you want to hit them, I actually kind of like hitting people because it's a lot of fun <laughs> and like bumping them and moving them out of the way. But now the Stella will tell you there's someone behind you. Instead of nailing them, you can damage your car, damage your lights. Um, they'll tell you someone's behind them and it starts bleeping. Fly. There's no way the guy couldn't say, I didn't see you and I had to pull over. So so you can pull over without damaging your car or hurting anybody. I still like bumping people, though. But um, <laughs> there's also SOS button, mechanical button on it. Um, it. You know, the thing, we can talk to people. We can text message back and forth on it. So that was a huge leap in safety that SCORE really put in a couple of years ago. And, and every, we, there's not a person. If the driver feels safer, safer in the car because we have a small piece of equipment and it's an incremental cost for us, Roger's going to do it. Yeah, no, it, it, I love it. I think it's great. Because not only that, the motorcycle rider thing, right? Like... If I'm catching a motorcycle rider, he's obviously five a minimum of five hours behind us, and at that rate, or you know, five hours off the pace, and at that rate, he's tired. It's not like you're passing some lead guy that's fresh and just got on the motorcycle. You're passing a guy that's probably very, very tired, fatigued, or hurt, or the bike is damaged, and you know, now not having to come upon him trying to rev his in, your engine and get over his engine, which he's probably wearing, you know, some sort of ear protection. And now you have a button that you can, I can physically see it. If I, he goes around a corner, I can actually see the Stella lighting up on his handlebars. Yeah, letting him know. Letting him know to pull over. And to me, that's, I think that's, that's huge, right? The motorcycle thing is a, is a huge safety thing. And we all, we, I want to see motorcycle. I'm a motorcycle rider. I grew up riding dirt bikes. I've ridden down here many, many times. And you don't want to see him go away. But at the same time, you, you know, the safety of everyone going home to their family uh, is super important. And that, I think that Stella, you know, in that aspect, paying attention to that, to that unit can, I mean, could save your life or, and save the back of your car and uh, all the other features that the cell unit has can, you know, if there was an accident, you know, to be able to help save a life in an in in incident where you need to get a hold of the sanctioning body. To me, that, that is very helpful rather than trying to get on a cell phone that doesn't work in the middle of Baja. Right. So I get to, there's another thing. Roger put out a tweet a couple of days ago, and I want to explain it because it was, it's pretty important. We, there, we've done something that nobody really talk, talks about. Um, in the old days, old days, because we've been racing for so long, right? Because <laughs> we're so yeah. old. Uh, you know, the courses were just a course. And then sometimes, you know, to, to save time and money, we, the chase trucks and your chase teams, who are all our friends and families and people we, who we really bond with, they have to bomb down the course to catch you, right? So <clears throat> we are now designing the courses where we don't even allow that. Like the course doesn't allow it. You don't, you don't put a course line where like, okay, well, they're going to catch them here, 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 and here. We don't put three pit stops in a row. So you have the tendency, the chase teams have a tendency to chase from one to the yes. next to the next. Yes. We're like, okay, you, we know strategically because the people who build the courses are racers. And we're like, okay, we know you're going to have to send two chase teams on that way and two chase teams that way, and that's what you're going to have to do. Right. Yeah. Where we used to do before is like straight down. It's like, okay, now you, your brother and your sister and your yeah. mom are going to get in a van and they're going to haul ass 700 miles down the peninsula, you know, all the traffic and all the stuff and all the roads without guardrails. So we haven't had a fatality on the road on the chase teams. I think it was for three or four years and that used to be a lot. Yeah. There were way more. Everybody oh, no, used to yeah. say the safest place to be is in a race car because the chase Absolutely. teams is insane because you have people who have to be at a certain spot at a certain time and they're bombing yeah, down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. We're doing actually this year. So I have same, I like my strategy is to bring, I have one truck that's doing all the fueling and it, you know, having the same pit stop basically at, you know, race mile 140, 
race mile 270 you know the truck doesn't have to dry haul butt down the drive you know down the road to try to catch me nor is he we're in the same spot you're doing up mike's road or right? yeah right right before mike's road in that area but i mean that that whole right on that highway three we don't have to you know i'm not 50 feet off the highway right yeah of course because that's the rule yes yeah, of course and you guys have fire suits of course so it was a rule that i made up um that i was pissed about because i have, I, have all, I review all the footage is we have all your guys have to have fire suits back do you know why well just yeah car caught on fire right a bunch of cars caught on fire but we couldn't figure out why a bunch of cars, because Tavo caught on fire, and so did Steve, or so did uh, yeah, Eugenio, Eugenio caught on fire. Because we didn't know back then is that there's a guy, and he's a friend of mine now, Vincent. Um, he created that Pressure Pro, yep. so now they're doing pressurized fuel, 120 gallons in 23 seconds. They're doing pressurized. So there's a guy, right? And I was yelling. I was yelling at Menzi. I yelled at every team, like, "You're going to use that. We're going to do two things. We're going to ban it, or you guys are going to use fire suits. Period." Because guys, he's got flip flops, t-shirt. And he's got a fire hose, like gigantic. He's got a yeah. four inch hose with a four inch, uh, three and a half inch vent coming out of it. And he's jamming 13 PSI worth of fuel into that car. And he's got flip flops. I'm like, yeah, you, you're yeah. ready. That's crazy. Because I was watching the video with a Steven Eugenio and I'm like, and, and what happened is they vented it wrong. And they had a vent tube that came out down below the driver's side, right by the exhaust, which would normally be okay for overflow because it just pours out. This jammed out because you have a three and a half inch tube went all the way through vented out to uh, like inch and a half or like an inch tube. So it came out like a fire hose, like a rocket into the ground, splashed up the whole car caught on fire. And we couldn't figure out like, why is the fuel coming out of that little tube at 700 miles an hour? Couldn't figure it out because they were using that pressure pro. Yeah, yeah, which are very, very safe units. If you vent them properly and everybody, everybody north of the or south of the driver has to have a fire suit on tire changers, everybody. Yeah, not that. I mean, yeah, that. We're going a different, we went a different route. The safety thing is so, I mean, it's gnarly down here and we don't have, I try not to bring down a big team of people and I don't have, you know, I don't have 50 guys come down to run 10 people per pit. And it, I feel that, that, you know, with that unit, you definitely have to have five to 10 guys to do one pit. So, I mean, it's, it's, that is a gnarly deal. If you guys ever watch on YouTube, if go check out the, uh, you know, a trophy truck pit stop. I mean, it's like a NASCAR formula one pit in the desert with 40 inch tires and they're pumping 120 gallons of fuel in under 50 seconds. So it's, it, it's an incredible uh, deal to watch these guys come out here and bust it out. And there's, I mean, there's 45 trophy trucks that are all doing that now. So, you know, for the safety side of it, when you look at it, it's not five or six teams anymore. No, you no, know, there's 45, you know, trophy trucks. That there's 100, all, 110 of those units out because you need multiple units. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. got multiple units down there at every pit stop. He's got a, he's got a fueling system called a pressure pro and they're unbelievable. People need to know that this is a sport. Yes, it, it's it's dangerous and stuff like that, but it's a real sport. This is real racing. This is high dollar crazy racing. We have pit stops. It didn't used to be. The pit stops you're like, "Yeah, you can hang out, do your pit <laughs> stops." And now like 2 minutes in and out. Yeah. That could, you know, when when I re, I you know, I got to credit Clyde Stacy and, and really Jeff Geyser and, and those guys who really kind of stepped the games up. When those guys stepped the game up and they started putting, you know, strategy in it, like that's when we had all those finishes where everybody's like 13 seconds, 15 seconds. I'm at the finish line, every finisher looks at me. Like, "What up?" I'm like, "I don't know, I'll check the times. I don't know." We have to look at it assess, but they're all in 30 seconds each other. Yeah, no, is, that that which is an incredible deal to have. I mean, it's happened multiple times where it, to have two trucks drive 500 miles in the dirt the whole way and finish within a minute is, it blows me away. They, that can even happen. Yeah. You know, it's th crazy. It, it's, it is crazy. You so. just still didn't answer me who's going to win. Right? Who's yeah, going to yeah, win? Yeah. I, dude, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go with Andy McMillan. You think Andy? Yeah. Andy won last year, so he's good. He'll be a good. I think 
you, I always go with Rob. Rob's a safe bet for oh, me. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah Rob McCarron is, you know, he, has, he was second in 2016. He was third last year. You know, Rob just won the, the Sampley 250. Rob's, you know, Rob's in his stride right now. That guy is Yeah, he's, dialed, he, well, he's a machine. He is uh, dialed he, He's in. definitely, he's got it. I, got, I actually have a question. Look, this is a, I get a lot of people asking me. So is, is score racing, is it VCP to VCP or is it 150 feet off the course? What does that mean, VCP to VCP? Like when you race, do you drive VCP to VCP and not worry about the red line? Or do you drive a designated race course? This gets asked a bunch. Well, I don't know oh, if I yeah. understand the question. I mean, you so have... basically, like if there's two VCPs right. and the race course goes out and comes back, but there's a way that you can drive straight to it. Well, it's very, it's, here, here's the answer, right? If you miss a VCP, if you miss a VCP, yeah, it's penalty. You're gonna get penalty. Yeah, but if you don't miss it, I can't tell you to cut the course. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> I, no, I'm just asking. No, no one like, no one seems to not. So I'm only asking. You know, it's one of those things you people ask, right? You watch videos like we were on the way down here. We watch a video of Robbie Gordon in '95 driving the beach. Like, oh no, I remember that's back. Right. We so didn't have like, VCPs back then. Yeah. But here's the thing: the VCPs. Let's under, Let's make understand the VCPs generally are because. We, we get a lot of pushback from the ajitos and the farmers and stuff like that, right? So we'll, we'll, start, we'll start mapping yeah. the course, and, and the guy will go, hey, listen, I have a, a $400 million crop. That's always some ridiculous number, right? A million-dollar crop here, and I don't want your trophy truck guys going through my course, right? You're 100% right. There's a road here, and you could go to there. So we'll put a VCP on this corner to make you make that right, hit that VCP, and take a left. Some smart asshole will think he's going to go straight and whatever, but I mean, it's really out of respect for a the course and our farmers, or there's generally some danger that we want to steer you yeah. guys away from. So, cut your court, cut the course at your own risk. You could get penalized. Your competitors could protest you. Um, you know, are you 100 feet, 150 feet, or 100 feet away from the VCP? You could miss it. But the VCPs are there for a reason. Sometimes because you know the guys who mark the course want to be an asshole and it's fun. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's part of it. Um, the other part is we want to keep you uh, away. From, from dangers and aqueducts and, and infrastructures where people and farmers, we have to somewhat be respectful. There's a lot of farmers who love us down here, who want us to be here, but sometimes when they have a crop and they have you know stuff that they, infrastructure they built, aqueducts and stuff like that, we want to keep them away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, I, uh, I thank you for coming uh, down and talking for the first podcast. And uh, you know I want everyone to know the Ball 500 is an event that's going to go on every single year. It's gone on for 50 years. This is the 50th anniversary. Uh, I want everyone to come down and see it firsthand. If you can't come down and, and see it, I want you to watch it live, whether you're on Facebook or you want, if you download the app, it's free, correct? Yeah, free. Yeah. Download the app for free, and you can track Casey. You can track everybody. I want everyone to watch everybody. The trophy truck racing is phenomenal. These trucks are over 850 horsepower. They're couple hundred thousand dollar machines that can drive you know three foot whoop de doos at 110 miles an hour so if you're gonna watch it you, you need to see it firsthand if you're not get online check it out i want everyone to see it bud once again thank you so much and i want everyone to uh figure out what they want me to do next so it, please comment please share uh please tell me what to do we're all about learning here i want this is an experience for me uh stepping out of my comfort zone and getting onto a microphone and talking uh, I, I want to do more. I want, I want to get back to the sport as much as I can. The sport has done a lot for me and for my family. And, uh, for right now, I feel that the ball 500 is now, we are going to race the ball 1000 in November. I will do another one of these. I'm going to bring in some drivers. Uh, I want to get some, uh, 
perspective from other people in the sport, but I think for the first one, Bud did a fantastic job giving us a lowdown with score because this is the 500 and it's the big one. So thank you. Are you, you. going to race trophy truck? Appreciate it. Thank you for having your guest. Are you going to race trophy truck or are you going to race a uh, hammer class? We haven't decided yet. It's undetermined. I'm in, a, I'm in a complicated situation, but I want to win. So right now I want to win the 50th anniversary ball 500. I won the, the 50th anniversary Baja 1000. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. I got four months to decide on what I'm going to do. So what, we're going to go home. We already know some things that we're going to change on it to, uh, to make some more speed. But uh, we'll make that decision probably October uh, 31st. Oh, good luck, man. So, I'll be tracking you tomorrow. Thank you very much.